This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. It is time to launch a new war against the evil of lies, deceit, and darkness and go all out to win the victory of truth and transparency and light. Sure. Go ahead. Believe everything you see on television, everything you read in the newspaper. Go ahead. Get your history out of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah, that's right. Oswald killed Kennedy. Yeah, sure he did. Man, you are living in Disneyland. 1,500 years ago, everybody knew the Earth was the center of the universe. 500 years ago, everybody knew the Earth was flat. And 15 minutes ago, you knew that people were alone on this planet. Imagine what you'll know tomorrow. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Welcome to the broadcast, friends, for Sunday, March the 11th. Last week, of course, I came to you uh, live from the Windy City, Chicago, but now back home in uh, Toronto and uh, glad to be home, home, although Chicago is a wonderful city. It's a wonderful town, a toddling town, as uh, Francis Albert used to say. However, uh, a little bit later, we will check in with our paranormal investigator, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Uh, she's, um, she joins us the second Sunday of every month uh, with uh, some details on her latest investigation. And tonight, she's actually going to uh, connect... The, you've heard her on the show a number of times talking about um, the gin. And uh, I'm talking about uh, not the kind that comes in a, a bottle from the LCBO. Uh, the gin, of course, uh, is a, um, a legendary or folkloric um, a paranormal supernatural entity that comes to us from uh, the Middle Eastern culture. We've often referred to them as genies. Well, the gin. Uh, in fact, there were recently some opposition members in Saudi Arabia that were recently put on trial for attempting to conjure the jinn. Well, Rosemary uh, is probably at the forefront of uh, research into this area and uh, has done some recent investigations. In fact, a couple here in, no, a couple in Winnipeg, actually, uh, she was able to, to uh, determine. They were in contact with her. They had some trouble going on in their house. She was able to determine that they were actually being visited by the jinn. Uh, now she's connected the jinn with the UFO phenomena. So hold on to your seats. It's going to be a wild ride. Rosemary Ellen Guiley will join us a little bit later. Uh, right now, though, we're going to talk about what is perhaps the greatest financial scandal of all time. I'm not talking about uh, the... Uh, uh, the subprime loan fiasco of 2008. I'm not talking about what's going on in places like Greece and Spain and Italy and soon to be Portugal and Ireland. Uh, I am talking about something that actually took place back. We have to dial it back to the Cold War, near the end of the Cold War. 
And this is a, a fascinating story filled with intrigue. Uh, and we're going to call it the, the Tale of the Trillion Dollar Patriot. His name is Leo Wanta. You may never have heard of him, but you're going to, by the, uh, the end of this hour, know all about Leo Wanta and the trillions of dollars that are out there sitting in uh, foreign banks all over the world that were to be earmarked, that were to be uh, put to use by the American people. And Lord knows they could use trillions of dollars right now. Of course, they're swimming in a sea of debt. We're going to talk about Leo Wanta, who wants to give that money back to the American people, but he is not being allowed to do so. And therein lies the scandal. And to tell us more about the trillion-dollar patriot, one Leo Wanta is our media scientist friend, assassination researcher, and the producer of Shock Talk with Blumensteel, Nelson Thal. Welcome once again, my friend. Oh, welcome. It's well, great being back, Richard. Uh, yeah, and you're donning the Vancouver Canuck uh, baseball cap in this studio here in the heart of Toronto? Hockey cap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know you're a Leaf fan, a lifelong Leaf fan. So, listen, um, this is I'm... A... This I, I, I would this you is can, a Stanley Cup story. It is, it is, and, and I'm, let's let's assume that most people out there have never heard of this story and and don't know about Leo Wanta. First, before you tell us what he did, who was or is Leo Wanta? Well, I guess just to simplify it, he's the man who um, stole the cup back from those who stole the Stanley Cup, and he's got it hidden. And uh, as long as he, they've got to keep him alive because if they kill him, they won't be able to find it. Okay. But in terms of his occupation, he's been described as an ambassador, a master engraver, a couple of um, rather unusual occupations when, you know, found in combination. Yeah, First he, of all, what do you mean by a, what is meant by a master engraver? A master engraver is someone who is able to um, engrave the plates that are used to print the um, Federal Reserve notes and various currencies around the world as well as Russian rubles. And, of course, he became famous when he uh, brought down the USSR by flooding the market with rubles. So he was a counterfeit specialist. Uh, that's an understatement. He was really um, probably a high-level treasury agent who had access to uh, the treasury men within the Soviet Union. So at the height of the Cold Working War... Working for the president. Uh, this would have been President Reagan. Reagan, yeah. So someone determined that the best way, the fastest way to bring the Soviet empire, the evil empire as Reagan used to call it, to its knees was to flood the economy with counterfeit rubles. Right. Enter master engraver Leo Wanta. And when they flooded it with Russian rubles, the Russian ruble market and the value of the Russian ruble dropped significantly. And before it dropped, they made sure they had purchased put options. In other words, they, they we should explain who they are in a minute, but they bet on the Russian ruble to fall. Uh, that's a put option. So you can make money by predicting that someone something is going to decrease in value. And so they made trillions of dollars on yeah, that. Yeah, because you know with put options, it becomes exponential, just like futures. It's leveraged. It's highly leveraged 
investments. So one dollar commands millions of dollars, and they were playing with eight hundred million dollars. So they're buying put options with eight hundred million. So they're coming out with twenty-seven trillion. Is a, is not uh, uh, far fetched. Now, most people have never heard of this. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that this had some this name. Uh, this this uh, this project had some sort of a, a, a name. What was it? What was it called? It was Operation Chaselet. Operation Chaselet. Like Bank of the Chase Manhattan Bank. Okay. Now, who decided to do this? This sounds like a masterstroke. If you can't well, beat them at the arms negotiating table, you basically flood their economy with counterfeit rubles. Yeah. You destroy their economy. And Leo worked with, and he was the legman for Colby and Casey. Both were the directors CIA. of the CIA. Right. And Colby, of course, you know, because of this incident with he Leo, and it faced down in the Potomac River. He was suicided, right? And of course, Casey was as well. Casey was Reagan's campaign chairman, and the way in which uh, and Leo was the leg man for the these two CIA directors. But he did the actual. He was the master engraver. He was a master engraver, but then he he graduated into the system through the network. And he was and also became, an ambassador, right? He was president. He was President Reagan's personal intelligence coordinator. Okay. But I've also heard him referred to as an ambassador. So he he was also point... an ambassador, absolutely. But remember, if you're the president's personal intelligence coordinator, uh, when Reagan would sign a protocol on behalf of the United States government, uh, Wanta, Leo Wanta, was the representative of Reagan's and the U.S. government who would sit there and sign the treaties. So who hatched this this idea? Was this Reagan's idea? It or was some... Reagan's along with Colby and Casey's idea and Wanta's. And to put we, together a nest egg to protect America against the organized crime cartel that these guys saw had taken control of, uh, like a cancer, uh, uh, the, a part of America. Well, uh, let's uh, let's take a time out. When we come back, I, I, I want to get into that point you just made because we um, we've been discussing how through Operation Chaselet, Reagan and his uh, chief intelligence uh, people, including. Master engraver Leo Wanta orchestrated this brilliant scheme uh, to destroy the Soviet uh, or bring the Soviet uh, Union to its knees during the Cold War by flooding their economy with counterfeit rubles and then at the same time profiting on that by putting on uh, by taking out put options on the ruble, betting that the ruble would collapse and there, thereby parlaying $800 million into trillions, and of course, through the magic of compound interest. Here we are in 2012, and somewhere sitting in a Swiss bank or the, who knows where, the, the Cayman Islands, we have a total of $27.5 trillion. We'll come back and discuss. Nelson Thal in studio, back with more in a moment. Passcodes, personal identification numbers, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, Here's two more numbers, 416-360-0740, or toll-free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Nelson Thal is with us, the producer of Shock Talk with Bloom and Steel. We'll tell you how you can watch uh, that uh, program, webisodes of uh, Shock Talk with Bloom and Steel in a little while. And, of course, he's also our uh, media scientist and, we should point out, the uh, the researcher, uh, for the Conspiracy Show television program. And uh, we're still uh, anxiously awaiting 
uh, to deliver news to you regarding season three of the aforementioned television program. Uh, Nelson, now, again, Leo Wanta, he he helps orchestrate this. uh, I mean, can we say with with certainty that that this Operation Chaselet, destroying the, uh, the Soviet economy, this is what led to the end of the Cold War? Yeah, this is what led to the end of the Cold War. And um, I think, Richard, that we always talk about the fact that we stand on the shoulders of giants. J.F. Kennedy's Secret Society speech, Marshall McLuhan talking about how the arts and sciences themselves are in the pockets of the secret societies. And we certainly do live in an age of gigantic pictorial illusionism and journalistic exaggeration of concealment, as McLuhan pointed out. And so... Um, yeah, because this is a chapter uh, in history most people are totally unaware of. Exactly. I mean, because the thing that confuses me is the Soviet economy was always a basket case at the best of times. Uh, so I guess this operation was just enough to push it over the edge where the Soviets said, we can no longer afford to prop up this, you know, this huge uh, defense uh, apparatus that we have. We can't compete with the Americans. And uh, they basically threw in the towel. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the owners of the system were behind it, certainly, because we know that Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution by Anthony Sutton talked about how the Bolsheviks were uh, were uh, employed by uh, the, 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 the ruling elite, the house of the Club of the Isles, okay. etc. So, um, and of course, remember, it was, it was Avril Harriman who looked after and managed Russia for the Fabian Society, in effect, uh, when Stalin had his breakdown in 41. So there was a lot unknown. People didn't realize how both sides are... War is a racket as... as sure. It was, was, it, was it not David Rockefeller who went to see Khrushchev before Khrushchev basically was, was pushed out, right? Yeah, yeah. He was like the last Westerner to speak yeah. to him. Uh, now, so this... this um, 800 million that was originally sort of the windfall for this Operation Chaselet. It wasn't the windfall. It was the investment by the U.S. government. In It was money given to Leo Wanta for the operation. Oh, I see. Okay. And it was, it, was, uh, it was under his custodianship. And as custodian, he used it to – he paid back the 800 million and he's left with around 27 trillion so, but how did that eight hundred million again become twenty seven trillion? Well, as we said before the break, it was it was it was through the put option. Okay, through the put option. Okay, as a so result of an original yeah. an original investment of eight hundred million. Now, Leo Wanta pays that back where to the U.S. Treasury? Uh, exactly. Okay. What did Ronald Reagan intend for that twenty seven? Well, he he had no idea probably how much it would grow to. Uh, but but what what was his idea? What would that money be used for? Well, basically to slow down the banksters on Wall Street uh, and try and cause them to fail in their efforts to in, uh, take over and enslave America. But in what form? Like what is it going to do? Give that money uh, to, to uh, citizens in the form of tax rebates? I don't understand. Well, I think originally the plan was to be able to give back to the United States government. If the United States government could get its hands on that money, it would certainly help to bail it out of the bankruptcy that it's presently going through. So it would just go back into the Treasury where it would be used, uh, you know, general revenue for whatever, health care, social network, uh, the social uh, net uh, and so forth, safety net. Okay, so now Reagan... um, was quite explicit about that. Now, so Leo Wanta was in was was entrusted with keeping an eye on this 
this amassed fortune? He was the one that was responsible for it, right? That's correct. And, and he was working with Colby and Casey on that. And how long and, – and, and, and he's been trying to give – he gave back the $800 million, but he's been trying to give back the rest of it, the That's interest, right. the compound interest, which is now $27.5 trillion. Yes. He's been trying to give that back. How long has he been trying well, to give that back? I don't remember how many years, but the thing is that right now he's brought RICO charges uh, against the um, and and there's calls for a grand jury, and uh, and uh, he's prepared RICO charges against uh, the Department of Revenue and the Department of Justice in the United States in the state of Wisconsin. Remember, Richard. Um, Leo Wanta was sent to the Swiss frontier because the CIA had been given a tip that Mark Reich, Mark Rich, who was pardoned by Clinton, may be traveling across the border and so they could get their hands on him. And uh, when that didn't work... Well, hang on. How does Mark Rich figure into this? Well, um, what I'm saying is that Mark Rich was involved in... Uh, the 9-11 operation, if they had been allowed to arrest Mark Rich in on the Swiss frontier, there would have been no 9-11 because he was hired by the, uh, the, the, the Bush junta in order to carry out the 9-11. Okay, yeah, that's, it's, that's starting to confuse me now. Let's leave Mark Rich out of this for a second. But Leo, Leo Wanta, Leo Wanta. That's a, that, when he was on his way to meet with in Switzerland with... Um, uh, when when Leo Wanta was let me gather my thoughts again. We just what was uh, we were just talking about. Um, okay, Wanta is trying oh, to return. Oh yeah, Vince Foster was to meet with Leo Wanta on the Swiss frontier to arrest Mark Rich with a team of commando, with a whole team of commandos, like in a video game, mm-hmm. and they were repelled back, and Vince Foster wound up dead, as you recall. Okay, but we're sort of taking a leap. Who's after? I don't understand. Who's after Leo Wanta and why? Who's after? Yeah, he's trying to return the $27.5 trillion to the U.S. coffers. Yes. And someone doesn't want him to. Exactly. And and you're saying it's... They blocked him from doing it, tried to take the money, try and get access to the information. When the cables were about to be sent, they tried to find the details on the cables and start looking where the money and what banks the money's in. Ah, okay. So So they can raid those banks if they find out where it is. Ah, So he's got the money hidden. As I mentioned, Stanley Cup stolen by them. He steals it back, but now he's hiding it. And meanwhile, some corrupt officials are trying to get their hands on it. Right, and he's got the money in hiding. He knows where it is. They don't. And the reason he's alive is because they need the, that so, information. So this, this money is sitting in foreign banks. Presumably. Oh, it's all over the world in various banks, hidden. Is it an, is, do we know, is it in the form of bonds? Is it gold? Oh, he would never, ever get anywhere near talking about the, the, uh, where it's hidden. And where is Leo Wanta now? Do he's we know? somewhere in the United States. He's somewhere in the United States. He, he is he in Wisconsin. hiding? Is he, is he... Well, he's not in hiding, but he certainly uh, guards his his whereabouts. Is he? I mean, he why, is he a... under, why is he? Why, if these officials, these corrupt officials that want this money, are that powerful? I mean, if they if they're implicated in nine eleven, sure. if they're connected with the, the Bush family, why couldn't they just have him uh, killed or arrested? Well, if they kill him, they won't find the money. 
They want to try and probably get him to uh, come over to their side, and I'm sure he has protection. Why hasn't he gone public, or has he? Well, he has gone public. He has had journalists like Marilyn Barnwell has written articles about this, and it's on the Internet. You can Google in Leo Wanta and read about it. Uh, it's enough of a big story that they've, even the agent provocateurs from the CIA have planted uh, all sorts of stories about him to try and distract people from the real main issue. What are they saying about him? Well, they say he owed a lot of money in income tax in Wisconsin and all sorts of silly trumped-up charges that have no bearing with the real issues. All right. We'll uh, take a time out. When we come back, we'll continue to talk about the trillion-dollar patriot along with Nelson Thal in studio. We'll take your calls as well, questions and comments about this. Have you ever heard of the story? And uh, if not, what would you like to know? We'll uh, delve further. When we come back... The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett, here on the all-new AM740. Back with more in a moment. Don't go away. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM740. Welcome back. Rosemary Ellen Guiley will join us uh, in about uh, 40 minutes' time, and she'll talk about the gin and the UFO connection. Right now, we're talking about the billion-dollar tri- uh, uh, patriot, the $27.5 trillion patriot, Leo Wanta, uh, who helped engineer the collapse of the Soviet Empire uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s, I guess, uh, by flooding their economy with uh, counterfeit rubles. Uh, and uh, the operation, I guess, which originally cost about $800 um, a million, that money was parlayed into a current uh, fortune of $27.5 trillion. And, and the guy that holds the key to that uh, vault is the same Leo Wanta, who is desperately trying to return that money back to the U.S. Uh, coffers, the government coffers. Uh, that's what Ronald Reagan, who was his president at the time, wanted him to do with it. But there are people who are standing in his way. And these are, as Nelson Thal explains... Um, the uh, the Bushites uh, and others. All right, so they're uh, Nelson Thal with us, a yeah. media scientist. They they're they're trying to they're trying to frame uh, they're or they're trying to discredit Leo Wanta. They they're trying to get him up on uh, trumped up uh, tax uh, fraud charges. Uh, I think you mentioned off here was a paltry what fourteen thousand dollars or something like that. Uh, so they're trying to discredit him. But I mean, to me, I mean twenty seven trillion dollars. That would wipe out the U.S. debt, yeah. Uh, many times, several times over. Yeah. I think uh, I think the the the, the uh, actual debt is somewhere around what thirteen trillion, something like that. So, I mean, why aren't the mainstream media all over this story? Well, you know that, Rich, because the the uh, the the black ops guys have control of the media, and the funds were put aside by Reagan, and Wanta was his leg man to do it. And um, it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, for many years, we've re- we talked about it off air mostly. But what made it big now is that Lord Blackheath in the British House of Lords has now raised the this issue of Leowanta. And he's talked about uh, an asking for an investigation of laundering of the laundering of funds by governments that should know better so that's the whole leowanta world has he mentioned leowanta specifically well he has 
he's mentioned the $27 trillion man. Ah, okay. Okay? He hasn't mentioned the name, but he's mentioned the $27 trillion man and the money laundering and the Reagan-Mitterrand protocols. Yeah, why are they referred to as the Reagan-Mitterrand protocols? Because some of that money that was made, some of the $800 million, came from France and other nations. So whatever money is made with the $800 million, if $350 million was put up by France, they own that percentage ah. of the total $27 trillion, Okay, so all, and they want it back. So $27 trillion is not all going to the U.S. Some, a percentage will go to France and, and, and the other partners in this Operation uh, Chaselet. Right, and what Reagan did is he sent his representative, Leo Wanta, on behalf of the United States to France to sign the Reagan-Mitterrand Protocols, which basically legalized the debt. So France could then, as a country, take the signed document, if it were signed, and I under, that's the question, was it signed, but could take the Reagan-Mitterrand Protocol to the bank, the IMF, and borrow against the 300 and, well, their share of the $27 trillion, which is maybe, it shows the IMF that they're owed $8 trillion by the United States, and they'll borrow based on that. And and uh, to say nothing of the the situation in uh, Europe now, uh, uh, imagine what that money would do, you know, to underwrite Greece and Spain and Italy and all these countries that are uh, undergoing such a horrible. But it was never signed, so they can't monetize the debt. They're owed them, so they're pretty angry at the at at the the Bush junta for preventing the money from getting to the U.S. Treasury, which then allow it to get to them. So if they have no way of of um, of. I mean, what? Well, now a member of the House of Lords, it's, the media has been shutting the story down for obvious reasons. People who listen to the show know that answer. That's a prerequisite. But the thing is that uh, now a Lord of Blackheath has come out and now he's opened this can up and now the House of Lords is going to have an investigation of it, which will be exciting to see. Well, the, the interesting thing is, you know, billions of dollars disappear every year. Uh, some of them are under the, you know, these black op programs. Uh, even you mentioned uh, off the air again, uh, very well known um, a fact that um, Rumsfeld just before 9/11 was was uh, admitted admitted uh, over a trillion dollars disappeared from U.S. Defense Department uh, budgets, and so and he is, wasn't fired. So is there any connection with that missing trillion and the twenty-seven point five trillion? It, it's all part of the whole ball of wax. It's all part of the they're stealing. They're, they're trying to steal monies. He tried to originally give back a tranche of four trillion. Wanted did. Yes. And when was that? Um, I think it was two, two or three years ago. I don't have the exact date. And, and, and through what channels did he try to do that? Well, through the through the channels of of other other foreign governments. Through other foreign governments, he tried to get the governments to give the money back. So, what is his plan now then? Well, I, I, I don't know. Right now, his plan is he's, uh, he's preparing RICO charges against mm-hmm. the Department of Revenue and the Department of Justice. And there are, um, there are uh, calls in the legal community in Wisconsin. They're from the attorney generals there. There's calls for a grand jury investigation. Into and, the and with with the power to uh, to uh, subpoena subpoena and and what sort of who do you think would be called to the stand if that were were to go through a grand jury probably a lot of high level 
justice of the Department of Justice and and high level. Uh, 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 I can't see that happening. Can you? Well, we don't know what's going to happen. We we don't we don't know. Um, you know, there's reports now that um, that uh, Bernanke was detained for questioning and behind the scenes sometimes if the authorities start to see how much crime and corruption there are in a cabal of men um, there's a group of justice people who start to figure out the wherewithal and start to use the system against the bad guys how old is leo wanta now is he he's in his 70s he's in his 70s yeah He's been involved in some. He's like a, uh, been involved in some top level super spy activities, like 007. But he doesn't have a gun. His gun is the counterfeiting, the printing press, etc. It's, it's it's high level. Is this how nations sort of now go to war uh, by by flooding each other's uh, economies with with counterfeit uh, currency? I, I I don't know whether or not others have done it in other countries. But certainly there's a good chance that some of what we're seeing going on in Europe has to do with other master engravers other than Leo Wanta. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740 in Toronto and toll-free from just about anywhere. Maine to Minnesota, Thunder Bay to the Carolinas, 1-866-744-740. 866-744-740. Get on board with your questions and comments. Join the conversation as we discuss the billion-dollar uh, patriot, trillion. Leo Wanted. Did I say billion? Trillion. No, trillion. It's trillion with a T. Imagine what $27.5 trillion dollars could do. Uh, could do. Uh, it would put the United States out of bankruptcy. Out, they're in, going into prevent them from going into bankruptcy. Yes, exactly. Well, I mean, does he not have any supporters within Obama's administration? Or I mean, is uh, well, Obama's administration is part of the the Borman Bush junta? So it's the same different the administration, but the same, the same, same, the same players, yeah, same players. There's no help there. That's the Borman Brotherhood. So uh, I can't imagine why. You know he's still alive, or I mean, as you say, he's got. If they kill him, they're not going to get the money. But um, you know, why would this guy not be swept off the street and 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 jailed and tortured, or or probably why is he allowed protect- to be? Probably, my guess is he's being protected by f- certain foreign governments who are owed the money and want to make sure he stays alive. Have you ever talked to Leo Wanta? Yes, I have, and how, on the phone. And when was that? Oh, over the last three years, on and off, say about. Uh, two dozen, uh, no, a dozen times. A dozen times. But a dozen times over three years. And he's he's. Basic... But I've spoken to his representative, Marilyn Barnwell, who writes on his behalf and is writing a book about him. I've spoken to her on a number of occasions as well. And she's uh, got a lot to say about uh, Leo Wanta. Let's uh, go to the phones and uh, say hello to Drew, who is in Niagara, the Niagara region. Good evening, Drew. Hi there, how are you? Very well, thank you. Are you familiar with the story of Leo Wanta? Yeah, I, I had a question about, you know, if this, if this money is out there, and perhaps I might have just missed, missed this being mentioned, uh, I, it's really it's a two-part question. One is where, is it a physical object of money somewhere? Does it exist just physically around? And in the second place, if it deals with the whole issue of counterfeit to begin with, what's to say that it wouldn't just be more counterfeit money that could theoretically wind up hurting us instead of helping us. 
Well, the money that uh, was made off the put options was not counterfeit money. Uh, maybe it wasn't clear. The counterfeit money was used – the counterfeit money was rubles, but the put options were in U.S. dollars. So they got back U.S. dollars. They didn't get counterfeit rubles. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. I do. I guess, I just, I guess I'm just questioning then from the standpoint of, so these American dollars, though, so how is that – uh, how do we know for sure then that that too wouldn't be a counterfeit scenario? That there isn't a second layer to this all. Well, and where and where would they? You know, not in the literal sense of. Well, if there were a lot, of, if there were a lot of U.S. dollars, then the dollar value today would not be as high as it is overinflated. So, like the reason why the ruble dropped was because they flooded it and increased the supply. If this were counterfeit American dollars, which I'm sure it's not, then the U.S. dollar would have dropped a lot more. So, no, I don't think it goes any deeper than than that. It was a one-time thing, and nobody really has, I mean, uh, has has done that to the U.S. dollar yet. Drew, thanks. I, I apologize. I'm starting to. I. I uh... It's a hard story to follow, Drew. That's all right. It's a hard story to follow. But uh, uh, I think now we're starting to get a, a clear picture. I appreciate the call from uh, Niagara. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. And toll-free from just about anywhere. 1-866-740-4740. Does, uh, what, in the occasions that uh, you've talked to Leo Wanta, um, I mean, he... It, it, does he identify specifically the people that are that are trying to get that money? Yeah, it's not just Daddy way, Bush. Rich, it's after midnight. The owners of the system have gone to sleep. Well, we, we got about another up, twenty-five minutes before the uh, play. What time? Is it? It's twenty-five to midnight before right. the owners of the well, system. We're, we're, I don't think they're, they're uh, Poppy Bush listens to this show. But <laughs> a couple of things. Remember this: uh, it was uh, Sherman Skolnick, the great American judge buster, who pointed out that. Um, he learned it from the judges that he put in jail, remember. Skolnick uh, learned from the judges, that, especially Kerner, that the change in the U.S. flag by adding the gold trim signified the replacement of common law in American courts with canon law. Was it canon or admiralty law? Well, it's canon law. Okay. Yeah. That's true. You do see the, the, uh, yeah, in the court, trim. you see the gold trim. So... No longer are people under common law We're in the United States, which is a very big different thing from canon law. And uh, the judges keep this very much tight to, them, to their vests and don't talk a lot about it. And it was Skolnick who exposed it. How do you, now, how do you hide $27.5 trillion? Yeah, that's now so I'm getting to it. So the, remember, everything gets down to the court systems. And you've got canon law courts and want of wanting to give money back. And um, the uh, Bush crime, Bush Clinton crime syndicate waiting on the wings to try and steal it once the transfer is made. Because when you make a transfer, you sh information about where the money is, is available to those who can tap in on the system and spy on what's going on and follow the trail of where the money came from. So it's been very, very difficult because he, he wants to transfer it, but um, he's been in the courts to try and protect it. But um, it's not always – he hasn't been fortunate. And right now, of course, he's about – he's prepared and about to lay – get them to lay RICO charges. And we'll just have to f follow it through. But 
It's really interesting. Bill is in South Cayuga. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show on the all-new AM740. Bill, how are you? I'm well, thank you, sir, and uh, you do great work, guys. Thank you. I, I do have a question. Maybe you can help me sort it. It might be simple. I don't know. But listen, way back in 1921, Lenin introduces a new economic policy, and he, he establishes a, an import-export of all things business with guys like Arm & Hammer, Henry Ford. Holy smokes. U.S. rubber, Underwood, uh, Parker Penn, on and on. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. So how, how, how does the American president who is, uh, through the Monroe Doctrine, of course, you know, looking after this Henry Ford and, and Arm and & Hammer and all these guys, like, devaluating the ruble just doesn't seem to do anything for those guys over there, does it? Or am I missing the whole point here? Well, um, the takedown of the Soviet Union was based on dumping uh, the attack on the currency, the nation's currency, was how they brought down the wall, in effect. But Bill, is, but Bill is saying, okay, why, uh, you know, in, if, going back to Sutton's book, Wall yes. Street and the Bolshevik Revolution, why, why, why go to the, the, uh, the bother of, you know, building up the Soviet empire uh, and, and, and then just to simply tear it down again? When, I think, when they could own it. Well, I think they do own it. I don't think they've, now they've got the, the, the Russian mafia running it for them. The, the Fed still, I mean, the, the, you know, they're changing clothing. They're not. They're they're still the still the same gang in control. They've just changed clothing to make to to adapt and make uh, make it more efficient an entity. So in other words, the 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 um, the operation uh, Chaselet was more maybe about regime change yes. than destroying the Russian economy. It was about getting the uh, the boys in the Kremlin out of there and bringing in a new guard. A new guard, yeah. Change right. the old coach and bring in Randy Carlyle. <laughs> Randy Carlyle, there's an old uh, yeah. a reference for you Leaf fans. Uh, Bill in uh, South Cayuga, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, so perhaps, I mean, you create this, this, uh, this Frankenstein monster, and uh, after a while, you know, he, 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 the monster gets off the table and he turns on his creator, just like uh, Hitler or that Stalin. His purpose. So, yeah, you, then you've got you've to get him back on, uh, on board. You got to turn that Russia back into a client state again, just like I think uh, that's what's going on in places like Syria and Libya and and Tunisia and Yemen. Uh, it's it's not about this wonderful spontaneous spring revolution. It's about uh, NATO and the West wanting those countries that uh, that are that are not in lockstep with the U.S. get those re- those regime changes so that they become client states. Um, so you've talked to Leo Wanta, and uh, is he is he fearful for his life? Well, I think he's pretty well protected by yeah. some foreign national governments who know that if he something happens to him, they won't get their money. And the Russians are owed money; they're part of the eight hundred million, and the French are part of that eight hundred million. And of course, the Americans are part. So the eight hundred million that was put together, that was given to him as custodian, was not all the U.S. government's money. Some of it was right. the French government's. Some of it was the Russian. So why why doesn't Sarkozy blow the whistle? Well, first of all, nobody blows whistles. What they do is they make a phone, just like in the movie The Formula. They just call each other up and change the percentage of the take. <laughs> right? So it's all done in back channels. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's welcome Marilyn to the Conspiracy Show. Hello, Marilyn. Hi. How are you? Well, where are there you calling she from? Is. Um, I'm calling from the United States, 
Um, and and just wanted to make a oh, you're Leo Wanda's official biographer. Is, yes. I am. Ah, welcome, Marilyn. Welcome, Marilyn. Hi. How are you? Um, the only comment that I wanted to make. I mean, we have some uh, interesting facts here. There was never any counterfeit money involved in anything Lee Wanta did, and it wasn't eight hundred million um, that was invested. It was a hundred and fifty billion. And that $150 billion um, was taken by Ronald Reagan from the Defense Department, and it was repaid by Lee Wanta within six months. And that $150 billion was invested in a large variety of ways, actually. Uh, the Russian people had nothing, and literally, Lee has said it was everything from Tampax to frozen chickens. But it, it goes beyond that. The majority of the money was uh, accumulated by investing in banks. Uh, okay, Marilyn, let me just back up here. So uh, what was then Operation Chaselet, if it wasn't about flooding the Soviet okay, economy yeah, with Operation rubles? Operation Chaselet had nothing to do with this. This is Operation Stillpoint you're talking about. Operation Chaselet was the operation that Lee was working on when he was arrested in Lausanne, Switzerland, on uh, income tax charges from uh, Wisconsin, $14,129. Now, he was arrested on July 7, 1993. I have a copy of the canceled check that paid that $14,129 on June 2, 1992. 13 months before he was arrested. So the tax charges were totally phony, number one. Number two, how often do you hear about the Swiss Surete arresting people from the United States who haven't paid their income taxes? Mm -hmm. And yet that was their excuse. Exactly. Um, I got the 19-page tribunal decision from the... Lausanne courts, which are, it, all of it is totally ridiculous. But my only comment that I wanted to correct about was that there were no, Lee Wanta was not in any way involved in counterfeiting. Well, what was the $150 billion then? What was that for? Ronald Reagan borrowed that from the Department of Defense. To do what with it? To invest in rubles. And Lee Wanta was buying rubles for from 18 to 20 eight cents on the dollar. Now, at the time, the Soviets valued the ruble at a dollar twenty. So that was a huge, huge amount. He he got money from the uh, GRU retirement accounts, the KGB retirement accounts, and so on, because they were literally out of money, very much in the, a similar situation to ours only at the current time in the United States. So they were trying to prop up the Soviet uh, system, not not destroy no, no, it. No, 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 no. What he did was, and he bought what the what the Soviets were valuing at a dollar twenty. He was able to buy for eighteen cents. They packaged the money, sent it to. Uh, oh, what's the um, Nelson? What's the yeah. group that carries money around the world in trucks. Brinks. Yeah, Brinks. They put it in Brinks, shipped it up to to Holland, and put it in a um, the bank in Singapore, 
and uh, the Singapore Development Bank. <coughs> and so Lee had all these rubles sitting in the Singapore Development Bank that he'd paid 18 to 28 cents for, that when the Soviet Soviets came in to settle, when you trade internationally, you may pay in a dollar, but it's calculated on, you know, the international currency rates. And the Soviets had to come in and pay him a dollar twenty for every one of those rubles that he got for eighteen to twenty-eight cents. Okay, so then and then that money is invested in what bank stock? It was invested in bank debentures, generally okay. speaking, but it was also invested in bank prime bank guarantees, PBGs, um, <laughs> and they had a ten-year plus one day. And because he was buying in such large amounts, he was able to get them at a largely discounted price, say 85, 90%, and um, he could, or even down as low as 75%, I believe, on some of them. And he would then be able to take that money to other banks and sell those debentures for a large profit. But, uh, and then that money was put back into the entire system. I hope that makes sense to you. I just, uh, it, it does. I wanted to get past the counterfeiting thing because Lee has never been involved in anything unlawful. Marilyn Barnwell is uh, with us, uh, Leo Wantis, official uh, biographer. Uh, Marilyn, the um, the twenty-seven and a half billion, a trillion. Sorry, mm-hmm. twenty-seven. Is that accurate? That that figure? Yes, it's absolutely accurate. <laughs> However. When they arrested him in Lausanne on these trumped-up charges, they held him in prison um, in Dubois uh, for 130 days. No charges. And then they brought him back. Uh, Yitzhak Rabin sent a letter to uh, the Swiss authorities because part of the Wanta-Reagan-Mitterrand deal, protocols, is that Israel would get five billion and that um, the palestinians would get five billion as part of the peace process talks well at that point the swiss figured out they'd probably bitten off more than they could chew and they put Lewanta on a swiss air flight back into the united states on november 17th 1993 they arrested him on july 7th 1993 he spent two nights in a Brooklyn federal detention center, appeared before Judge Aline Ross in New York, who immediately dismissed all the charges. Lee walked out of that courthouse a free man and was immediately arrested by New York detectives. Again, he has never been read his rights. He has never been shown any form of an extradition order. And they put him back in the Brooklyn uh, Center for Detention until uh, mid-December when they transferred him, finally, to Wisconsin. And um, uh, the, the, the money that accrued over the years, the $27.5 trillion. Okay, when he, when he was tried in May of uh, 1995 and found guilty, he spent two years in prison in Kettle Moraine Prison in Wisconsin and was then transferred to North Fork Prison in Sayre, Oklahoma. And while he was in Sayre, Oklahoma, they were hiding him. Tommy Thompson denied they even had a prisoner by the name of Leo Wanta. The CIA was going around the world telling all these banks, because they were able to find 
some of the money. They were able to retrieve $23 trillion of it. I sent you a copy of the uh, writ of mandamus that Lee Wanta filed against Henry Paulson because the remaining $4.5 trillion, Judge Gerald Bruce Lee, in May of 19, or 2003, I believe it was, um, I'm doing all this from memory, so I'm sorry. <clears throat> he uh, instructed Lee to bring the money, sell his Asian corporation his interests, and bring the money back into the United States and pay taxes on it. Lee agreed to do that, and in 2006, the People's Bank of China, which is the central bank of China, sent via swift wire $4.5 trillion to the Bank of America in Richmond, Virginia, and it disappeared into the Federal Reserve Treasury Department System. Marilyn, i got to take a timeout. Can you stay with us for a few moments? Sure. Okay, we'll take a timeout, come back. Marilyn Barnwell has joined us, the official biographer of uh, Leo Wanta, Nelson Thal, in studio. I'm back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our paranormal investigator just around the corner right now, joining us on the line uh, from uh, parts unknown in the United States, is the official biographer of Leo Wanta. Tonight's uh, discussion revolving around uh, Leo and Marilyn Barnwall. Um, how, did you, how did you hook up with uh, Leo Wanta? How did you first find out about this man? Uh, well, actually, quite by accident, it was very fatalistic. I wrote a book. I'd, I'd never heard of Lee Wanta. And suddenly, in the middle of the book, I created a character who lived Lee Wanta's life. And uh, when I, the book was published, it was called When the Swan's Neck Breaks, and it was published in July of 2008, and basically was trying to describe for Americans what fiat currency and fractional reserve banking and all these things were. I'm a retired banker. And... Um, I, in 2008, uh, September, at, three months after the book came out, somebody sent me an article about Lee Wanta and his life, and I almost had a heart attack because I had duplicated this guy's life in my book without ever hearing about him. And then in February of 2009, a friend sent me an email, and I'm scrolling down to the bottom, and there at the bottom of the email is Lee Wanta's email address. And I called her immediately and said, where did you get this? And she had no idea. And I called, I sent an email to Ambassador Wanta, and I, you know, said, I have duplicated your life, and I want to send you a copy of this book because I had never heard of you until three months ago. And he and I became very good friends. And uh, I have got a copy of every court transcript that has been done in Wisconsin, in Lausanne, Switzerland, in New York, uh, and so on. I've got, uh, have become very good friends with his case officer while he was in prison in North Fork Prison in Oklahoma, and so on. How do you and know he's telling the truth, uh, Marilyn? How do you know he's telling the truth? Oh, there is so much documentation, you cannot believe it. And if you read these court cases, 
I'm documenting them slowly. It, it's very slow work, but you are welcome to go to uh, HTTP uh, WTSNB for like when the swan's neck breaks the initials <clears throat> was what I named that that blog. And you can see all the documents. There are letters about him from uh, Congressman Roth. There are letters about him recommending him as the inspector general uh, by uh, uh, for the Department of Defense uh, by Chuck Grassley, Senator Grassley. There, <clears throat> I have gotten a lot of information from the Ronald Reagan Library. This guy is for real. Have yeah, no and, doubt about it. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of the documentation he sent out. He sent out over the last few years to Sherman and to myself, and uh, terrific letters from the President Reagan, accommodation from leaders of the world. So he, he, he you, you know, he's known by the world leaders. Right. I've got a, I've got a copy of his letter uh, that Yitzhak Rabin wrote to get him out of prison when he was in Switzerland. Yeah. I've got a copy of I've had thousands of pages, 8.7 gigabytes to be exactly. Was it was exact. yeah. was it Reagan's um, intent that the the money was to uh, you know to grow and grow and grow and then eventually be used to help America out of its insolvency? Yes, it was. Ronald Reagan saw the criminal element that was part of the federal government. Our government has become totally corrupt. And he saw that, and that was part of the plan. And Lee Wanta made a promise to him, and he's still trying to fulfill the second half of that promise. The first promise he fulfilled when he got the $27.5 trillion. He's still trying. It, right now, if they would just give him the money, the $4.5 trillion that he wire transferred to the Bank of America in 2006, we would have 1.575 trillion paid into the treasury of the United States. Lee has he offered to buy Freddie and Fannie. He offered to buy Lehman Brothers. He offered to buy Bear Stearns. We would have had none of the economic problems that we have had in the United States of America if George W. Bush and or Obama had paid this man, his own money. Now, what happened to the other $23 uh, bill, uh, trillion? That's been plundered? Well, that's what I, I agree. I agree totally uh, with Nelson. It is being used to fund block, black ops all over covert operations all over the world. It is what has prevented the intelligence services, uh, covert agent services in the United States, regardless of which agency, from having to go before Congress to fund a lot of these insane things that are going on in, in the Middle East or wherever, because as far as I'm concerned, all of the all of the trauma that's going on in the Middle East is intelligence motivated. What um, what is his present state? I mean, uh, is is he well, Leo? He is well. He's uh, uh, he's 72 years old. He'll be. Well, he's 71. He'll be uh, 72 in on June 11th. Um, he is doing well. Um, what can you tell us about uh, uh, Nelson in studio uh, mentioned uh, Leo's attempts to involve uh, the grand jury in Wisconsin in this case? Right. That's what he's working on right now is to get a grand jury called against the Department of Revenue 
and the Attorney General's Office of the State of Wisconsin. Um, and there is so much material, it's just a matter of getting the right legal people to organize it. He's working on that, and I know someone is working on putting together the information required to file a RICO charge against the state of Wisconsin. But, they, but that $23 trillion is, is gone, so we're talking about $4 trillion. Uh, well, it's not gone. It, 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 it's hard to explain. Oh, Nelson, maybe you can explain uh, better in person hypothecation. That's what they've been using it for to hypothecate funds. You've heard, for example, of these very rapid overnight uh, computer advance things that's going on on Wall Street? Yeah. Okay. Well, if you take uh, $23 trillion and put it into deals like that, you make a whole lot of money. So the money is, in all likelihood, most of it probably still there. And this would be in, in uh, overseas banks, no, presumably? Well, it would be, yeah, yeah, it would be in over, uh, it would be largely um, the too-big-to-jail banks in the United States. The too-big-to-jail, I like that. And we're talking about in the form of what, debentures, bonds? Probably mostly bonds, probably some cash, pro- oops, probably some debentures. I got another phone. Okay, listen, um, we'll, um, we'll put uh, Marilyn uh, on hold. And uh, we'll take a quick time out. We'll come back. Um, I want to, if I can, uh, I'm just speaking to my producer down the other room, David Gaskin. We'll get a hold of uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. We'll just delay her slightly till 12.15 if we can. And um, we'll uh, we'll come back, uh, get Marilyn back on the line, continue to talk with uh, Nelson Thal about the amazing case of the trillion-dollar patriot Leo Wanta. Marilyn Barnwell, his official biographer, on the line. Nelson Thal from Shock Talk with Bloom and Steel in studio. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Keeping an eye on the New World Order, this is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Marilyn Barnwell is with us, the official biographer of Leo Wanta, Nelson Thal in studio, media scientist, and uh, the producer of Shock Talk with Bloom and Steel. Um, Marilyn, if what, what you're saying and what Nelson is saying is true, it sounds like the last honest uh, president of the United States was Ronald Reagan. She, we lost her. She oh, we back. lost Marilyn. Okay. She well, may yeah. she may call yeah, back. I would, I, let's, I'll field that yeah. question. Yeah, I think that uh, Ronald Reagan had a... Uh, had a on a streak in him that, I mean, obviously these people involved in politics. If you're in clean clothes and R- Richard, you jump into a muddy river, you're going to get your clothes dirty. I think that's what happened to Reagan. He had good intentions, but he jumped into a very, very, very muddy, dirty river. And even though he couldn't stop his clothes from getting dirty, he tried to uh, save the river. <laughs> well, he was. I mean, he was. Feared by the establishment because he was an outsider, and and my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, was yeah. that uh, the the choice for his running mate was foisted upon him exactly. very late in the game. Uh, that they decided to to take a company guy, a company man, literally company being the CIA, George Bush Senior, uh, basically to keep an eye on this this uh, unpredictable, mercurial, 
uh, unknown quantity of Ronald Reagan. Yeah, and let's not forget that the, George Bush was the grand was the father of the man who had had his bank, and he was arrested by the American government for under the trading with the enemy for Press putting the, right. na- the Nazis in power, financing them, and he was a, he was a partner with Rockefeller. None of the General Electric plants in Germany that Bush owned were bombed during the war. None, none of these ships uh, with his on the North Atlantic were shot down by the were uh, torpedoed by the Wolf Pack. So these guys were above the law. These are the the wars a racket. These are the guys running the racket called World War Two. Do you think this chapter is is ever going to come out? I mean, do you think that this if this uh, this grand jury indictment happens in Wisconsin, I mean, this could be. Like the the biggest story of the last hundred years. Yeah, hopefully, exactly, and it'll depend on the honesty and whether or not there's any judges who are honest, and who uh, if and whether or not the uh, the Americans can fight back the uh, the cabal that took over their government in '63, etc., with the coup. Uh, and- you mentioned uh, Vince Foster, who was chief counsel for uh, uh, Bill Clinton and 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 Hillary Clinton, who was uh, basically uh, found. Uh, with a gunshot wound to the head, some say he was murdered. He was. Uh, this is back in '93. Explain to me what the connection is between the death of Vince Foster, uh, because there's been a great deal of speculation as to what happened to him. What's the connection between his death and this Leo Wanta? Well, Wanta was as has been reported. Uh, uh, I mean, Wanta told me that he uh, he was sent to the Swiss frontier. Uh, to go and have a meeting with Vince Foster. And um, uh, I can't confirm, but uh, Skolnick had mentioned that Vernon Walters was also part of it. But they went with the commando team to arrest Mark Rich, who was a a weapons trader and was basically involved in the uh, Contra deal and in trying to get uh, weapons to the terrorists. And was involved in the planning and weaponization, and involved in 9/11 on a on a on a financial level. Okay, so again, Vince Foster's death is is Vince Foster, he was murdered. If Vince Foster had succeeded, 9/11 wouldn't have happened. But they were failed in arresting Mark Rich. He was protected, and and uh, as a result, the team that went out to arrest Mark Rich. They failed to arrest Mark Rich. He was protected, and Vince Foster wound up dead, and Leo Wanta wound up in jail back in Wisconsin in the United States. Okay, so this was uh, actually uh, not necessarily related to the $27.5 trillion, no, dollars, but the, Leo Wanta was involved in the attempt to apprehend Mark Rich. Exactly. He was Reagan's personal uh, intelligence coordinator. And, and and he was working with Casey and with Colby and with the CIA, and he was trying to uh, uh, he wanted to stop the the uh, the the arms trade that was going on uh, to the terrorists. How did how did uh, Leo want to get hooked up with Ronald Reagan? He, as uh, Marilyn had told me, he was a Republican Party delegate uh, to the convention. Uh, representing the uh, the state of Wisconsin, and he was, uh, you know, he was an ambassador as part of his work for Ronald Reagan, and he had been uh, and had signed treaties on behalf of Reagan, and uh, he was had he was uh, doing a lot of operations and a lot of jobs with Reagan. 
Well, um, let's hope that uh, Leo Wanta's uh, efforts to get this story sort of out front in yeah. center in uh, in the courts in Wisconsin, and and uh, if that I mean if that happens, the press can't ignore it. Well, the American press can still ignore it, but it can start coming out in the British press because that's where it's breaking now with Lord Blackheath. Yeah, what what exactly is... So it's really breaking there right now, and that's the key. And this is the first time it's come to the attention uh, in in British Parliament that a a member of the House of Lords stands up and, and is talking now openly about this? Exactly. Why now? That's a good question. We'd have to get Lord Blackheath on the phone, but I don't know why. It's a good question. This is an ongoing, interesting story, and that's one of the great things of radio and about your show, Richard, that that you can live in the moment, but people can forget listening to the CNN and the military network, which will just bamboozle them, and can get in touch with and listen to the conspiracy show and hear what's really going on and follow it and get on YouTube and follow Lord Blackheath and follow this ongoing investigation, and we'll come back and report as soon as we hear more. But it's, it's a great story. I wonder if Ron Paul is aware of this uh, and, and uh, why he's not talking about it, if he is aware of it. I, I, I'm, I a, I'm a big fan of Ron think, Paul. Maybe. I don't think anybody gets into the gate, past the gatekeeper, unless they have hooks in them, serious hooks. So it doesn't matter how what Ron Paul – Ron Paul still – uh, worships uh, and and is very much a person who listens to the uh, the popish persons and the, and, and the dictates well, if, if of, of the dictates got... of, of Rome and it, whereas Obama's a noble more in service to the Vatican State he's a uh, he's a noble man in service to the the Venetian State Ron Paul. Well, if Ronald Reagan got past the, the gatekeepers, maybe Ron Paul is another one such. Yeah, I think that I think that there's a different era there. That the Reagan came in before the coup came down, the the forty five sixty three coup, the real Borman brother Bush brotherhood takeover, whereas Ron Paul is surfacing. After the, the the coup, but before '63, Ronald Reagan was there for General Electric, and he was the voice of of, uh, of General Electric during the war, before the war. So he could have slipped in there before the coup and was trying to undo it. And uh, obviously, he was trying to help the American people. And it's, uh, and uh, he's so far he's been stymied. It's a fascinating story, and uh, we thank you for bringing it to our attention. And uh, delighted that Marilyn Barnwell, Barnwell rather, was we'll have to uh, get her listening. on uh, yes. later on, maybe in the summer or whatever. Well, this, hopefully, this story is not going away, so we'll, well, uh, no, we'll definitely we'll revisit it. Nelson, uh, how can people watch uh, Shock Talk with Bloom and Steel online? Well, Mrs. Steele is here and listening in. She's in the studio, and we're looking forward to having her back. Uh, we do a show uh, the last Wednesday of every month at 8 p.m. at bloomandsteel.com, and they can go there and hear other shows. And on Shock Talk, this is what we talk about, things that are shocking, that are the real movements going on backstage behind the global theater. All right. Well, thank you again, Nelson. Richard, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks a lot. All right. Till next time. When we come back, 
We'll check in with Rosemary Ellen Guy. They talk about switching gears. We're going to talk about the gin and the UFO phenomena, sort of a way of cleansing our palate with a little sorbet, if you will. Uh, and it keeps us safe to fight another day, if you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> Back with more of The Conspiracy Show here on AM740. Stay with us. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is one of the world's leading experts on the paranormal with more than 50 books. How many people have written 50 books outside of Stephen King? My next guest, 50 books, my word, that's an accomplishment. Uh, Published by major houses on a wide range of paranormal, spiritual, and mystical topics, including nine single-volume encyclopedias. Her work is translated into 15 languages. She's worked full-time in the paranormal since 1983. Researching, investigating, writing, and presenting and teaching, her present work focuses on interdimensional entities uh, and contact experiences of all kinds, technological and mediumistic spirit communication, spiritual growth and development, problem hauntings and portals or geographic areas of intense paranormal activity. She spends a great deal of her time out in the field conducting investigations and research, and she has done groundbreaking research on shadow people and now... The Jinn, that's spelled D-J-I-N-N, which comes to us, uh, I guess, by way of a Middle Eastern culture. And uh, we welcome the aforementioned Rosemary Ellen Guiley back to the show. Hello, Rosemary. How are you? Hi, Hi there, Richard. Well, busy as usual. And you've been on top of this Jinn story for, for, for quite some time, and I was uh, remarking off the top of the show, uh, recently in uh, Saudi Arabia, I don't know if you saw this story, there was um, some opposition member... Uh, in I believe in Saudi Arabia, and they've taken this individual to court and charged him with trying to conjure up jinn. Did you, did you see that story? I did not. I've seen similar stories, however. And uh, yes, in the Middle East, uh, belief in the jinn is quite prevalent. And also the idea that people can enter into uh, pacts and agreements with them to accomplish various purposes. Um, the parallel in all, our co- culture would be conjuring up demons. And, and jinn is another uh, name. Here in the West, we, we, we refer to them as uh, genies, correct? They're the origin of, of the beliefs about the genie in the bottle. They are a race of supernaturally endowed uh, and empowered uh, beings who live in a parallel dimension. And according to their uh, origin story, they were the original inhabitants here, and they lost this place to us, and um, the prevailing belief is that many of them want it back, and they're resorting to uh, supernatural terrorist tactics to take it back. Supernatural terrorist tactics, I like that. I mean, I don't like it, but I like the, the phrase. Uh, and and, and you're, you're beginning to really connect dots between a lot of um, unsolved paranormal activity, whether it's, uh, you know, the origins of shadow people... Uh, certain hauntings, uh, and the jinn. For example, we had a story several uh, months ago that you brought to our attention. Uh, a Toronto couple contacted you. They were in possession of an artifact. It was a Masonic apron that was bequeathed to them uh, by a, a relative that had passed on. And this Masonic apron, once it was brought into the house, unleashed 
uh, a whole uh, torrent of, of um, negative energy and paranormal activity, and you were able to determine that it, that was actually a gin that had haunted, I guess, that, that, uh, that particular article of clothing. They can attach to objects. They create a lot of paranormal phenomena that we ascribe to other entities. Their name means the hidden ones, and even though the primary mythology and folklore about them comes from the Middle East, they're really everywhere. Just like um, Celtic fairies are, are not just limited to the old Celtic cultures, they exist everywhere, too. And you had an, another, uh, a, another example recently, uh, a story out of Winnipeg, and again, they were having uh, a lot of paranormal um, uh, issues in their home, uh, apparitions, um, um, and, and again, you were able to connect that that situation to, back to the jinn. There are certain hallmarks to their activities among human beings, and that case in Winnipeg also involved um, sexually intimate jinn, and that's very well known about them in their folklore. That uh, they often like to have romantic and sexual relationships with human beings, uh, and that it is possible to create hybrid children from them. And these activities were part of what led me to uh, the research that the jinn are participating in and may even be completely behind the abducting ET phenomenon. We've puzzled for decades who these beings are who seem to come in craft uh, we call them extraterrestrials. They come and take people away and perform various medical procedures on them, including getting genetic and uh, reproductive material. And uh, the experiencers talk about having hybrid offspring. I think the jinn are major players in this phenomenon. Nobody's ever really considered it because in our culture we know very little about the jinn and we don't even know to think about them or ask questions about them when we interview uh, experiencers. No, I, I mean, it, it, as far as I know, uh, Rosemary, you are the first uh, paranormal researcher who has made this connection between the jinn and the UFO abduction phenomena. Now, are you suggesting that all uh, UFO ab uh, ab abductions or extraterrestrial abductions may be connected to jinn or just a portion, or how are you parsing that out? The most extreme explanation is that, that the jinn are behind the entire phenomenon. They are known as masterful shapeshifters, and many of the forms that experiencers report are consistent with forms that jinn have been described as taking throughout uh, the literature, uh, the historical literature of their uh, interactions with human beings. Uh, personally, I'm reluctant to take the extreme step because uh, there may be a variety of entities that are interested in um, interacting with human beings in this way and um, conveying themselves as beings from other planets. Um, but certainly the jinn are major players. And uh, what I did is um, I, I began making the connection through shadow people. I've been studying shadow people. These are dark silhouette figures that appear in bedrooms and uh, menace people by um, throwing off, um, you know, fields of hostile energy or sometimes attacking people, I discovered that 
many shadow people experiencers who have frequent visits from these unknown entities also have ET abduction experiences, a significant overlap. So I really wondered what the connection was there. And if uh, shadow people were jinn, which seemed to be the case, uh, then the jinn might be behind uh, some of the abductions going on. I did an analysis of some of the major early abduction literature. We've had the abduction scenario primarily uh, in the past four or five decades, and uh, uh, numerous accounts have been published about people's experiences and descriptions of shadow people uh, and also forms that uh, the jinn are known to take are described throughout the abduction literature, but no one really has ever made the connection to the jinn because they've been below our radar. So the evidence is right there in accounts even going back to 1953. That's the earliest uh, documented abduction case we have on record. It's a case that took place in the Los Angeles area. Uh, it affected two women at first and then five altogether. Uh, it, the case is called the Tahunga Canyon case. And uh, in that particular case, the onset uh, were shadow beings. Hmm, interesting. I'm, I'm curious, though, if if jinn are are essentially spirit, why would they want to abduct us? What 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 would they need our genetic material for? They have um, a form that we really don't understand. In in um, their origin story, they're described as being created from smokeless fire, and they seem to have the ability to not only shape-shift into a lot of forms, but to even acquire forms that seem physical. They could even masquerade as human beings, but they don't seem to have the ability to really stay very long in our environment. Well, if you were a being who, uh, or even, you know, a race of people on the planet, if you lost your homeland, uh, there would be uh, some of your members who might want that homeland back and would look for ways to reclaim the territory. One of them would be through uh, a hybrid program that if you did not have the genetic makeup that enabled you to exist for long periods in a place, you, if you had the capability of sexually reproducing with the inhabitants of that place, you might be able to come up with a hybrid who would have your characteristics your mindset, be trained and raised and indoctrinated by you, but have the physical characteristics that would en enable you to survive and thrive in the place you wanted to be. Uh, the similar motives seem to be prevalent in the what we call the ET abduction scenario. We don't really know whether or not people are being abducted by extraterrestrials per se. They seem to come in craft. We, so people have assumed that they are um, originating from somewhere off our planet. But even some of the leading ufologists and abduction researchers have acknowledged that what we call ETs are probably beings from another dimension, which is where the jinn are coming from. Yeah, I've always, I've, I've long speculated that um, um, the extraterrestrials are not extra, they're not, um, you know, intergalactic. They are interdimensional. They would have to be just because of the vast distances and, and, and so forth. And if they were interdimensional, that would certainly explain a lot. But it the. It makes, makes the most sense. 
and they seem to have uh, an interest in creating a, a form, a physical form, that would help them accomplish their object- objectives, which might be infiltrating the planet, uh, taking over the resources, maybe even um, using human beings in ways like um, servants or slaves or energy resources uh, for their own purposes. And that would very much suit uh, the jinn agenda. Well, how would we identify um, these uh, jinn-human um, uh, hybrids? It might be difficult in some cases. The abduction researchers who've been studying things from the ET angle for decades, uh, some of them feel that there are hybrids now on the planet and we don't even know it because they can pass so easily as human beings. Uh, some of them might have unusual physical characteristics like um, different shape heads or um, very strange looking eyes or something that's not quite um, what we would consider ordinary or normal about them. And uh, they would also uh, theoretically possess powers that most human beings don't have. They would have to be very careful not to reveal those powers uh, in the course of ordinary living. Where, where are these um, hybrids uh, being delivered? I mean, presumably not, you know, I'm guessing not at, in the maternity ward at Roosevelt Hospital in New York City. I mean, where are they? Uh, is this being done quietly in, 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 in basements? Or um, uh, where, where are these women delivering these hybrids? They uh, deliver them actually to the, the other beings. And uh, the, the typical scenario goes for a, a woman abductee who's of childbearing years that uh, she begins having these visitations and uh, then has the experience of being taken away to what may be a spacecraft or a room or some other place that's in another reality. And uh, there she has sexual uh, contact with uh, extraterrestrials and uh, in real life discovers that she has become pregnant. Uh, And then the pregnancy mysteriously disappears. There's no fetus. There's no sign of a, a miscarriage. Uh, but under regression, they recall being abducted and then uh, that the fetus is removed by the ETs. Some of them then are abducted at later times to come back and do some nurturing on these hybrid infants. Uh, they seem to, to need some sort of human attention and uh, that they need to be taught things that human beings sort of learn by osmosis uh, as they grow up, even from an infant stage. And male abductees, uh, when, when their genetic material is, is, uh, is being harvested, is, uh, I mean, how is that being used by the jinn? They describe having sexual intercourse with female aliens, and the uh, females uh, look very much like human beings. It's supposed that the uh, aliens are taking shapes Uh, you know, shape-shifting into forms that enable them to have this interaction and uh, also um, a form that would be at least acceptable to human beings. Uh, Some of the abductees have speculated that we don't know what the true form of the entities are. It might even be something very horrific. That also fits characteristics described of the jinn.
Did you ever have this conversation, uh, your theory uh, about the jinn being behind the alien abduction phenomena with, with people like John Mack or even David Jacobs? Well, John Mack, of course, has passed on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have um, looked at his literature. He does have a lot of references to shadow people and beings like jinn in his descriptions from abductee regressions and conversations. Uh, I have talked with some abduction researchers. I did talk to Ann Druffel. She was the primary investigator of the Tahunga Canyon um, case. I did talk to Bud Hopkins, and uh, he just recently passed on last year. Uh, I have queried David Jacobs and have not heard um, back from him. He's probably the principal researcher who's probed the dark side of the abduction scenario. We do have abductees who feel that they're having beneficial experiences and that even if some things are pleasant, it seems to be for the good of humanity. Uh, Even John Mack speculated that, that uh, there might be a merging of two species going on that had a purpose of uh, interspecies evolution. And uh, his conclusion was that this did not seem to be an evil process. But since he... Uh, wrote those books, uh, much has come out about some of the more negative aspects uh, in the abduction scenario. Most of the information is recovered under hypnosis, and of course uh, that opens the cases up to a lot of criticism uh, from people who say that, well, you know, if you don't conduct the hypnosis uh, in the proper way, you can inadvertently lead people to... uh, to recall certain things. But there are so many cases that have been independently corroborated and documented with patterns emerging that uh, it certainly gives pause, gives one pause to think that there is something very um, harmful to human beings going on, that we are having interaction with uh, beings who are uh, using us and manipulating us probably for their own hostile purposes. Well, um, there was that uh, Roper poll back in the early 90s that Hopkins and Jacobs, and uh, I think there was another sociologist involved, they commissioned a Roper poll, and they wanted to try to determine how many Americans might have experienced this abduction phenomena. And um, I think it it turned out something like, based on that poll, the estimate was 3.7 million Americans have probably been abducted, which is... Uh, you know, over 1% of the population. Well, if you sort of extrapolate that worldwide, uh, what are we looking at? Uh, 1% of 7 billion is what, 70 million? And that's just probably the tip of the iceberg. That Roper poll came out in the early 90s, and there's been so much more documented and uncovered about the abduction scenario since then that... um, uh, I would wager that the percentage is much higher. And if that's the case, and um, in in those instances, I don't know if, in, if if we could safely say in every instance that person abducted uh, created a hybrid. Uh, that means, you know, look out your window. Um, the, the odds are someone walking around, in, you know, in your line of sight could be a, a, a human gin hybrid. Is that what we're talking about here? Uh, the scary thing is that's certainly plausible and possible. So they're 
potentially the jinn are creating uh, this army, um, this army of, of human, uh, human jinn hybrids uh, that are prepared to vanquish the human race, I guess, once they're given the, the, uh, the say-so, the order? One of the ways that they're interfering with people besides uh, this particular phenomenon is to um, create psychological havoc. Uh, they do that through intense haunting phenomena, through possession, uh, through establishing attachments to people that uh, they then gain influence over their thoughts and behavior. I uh, have an increasing number of cases voluntarily reported to me of very disturbing interactions with uh, entities like this. And sometimes people don't know what's happening. They don't know who the entities are. Uh, and they, they all fit the gin scenario. Recently, I was comparing notes with another researcher who's in England, uh, a man who is um, Sunni Muslim, and uh, he has been in contact with other Muslim researchers on this whole scenario of the jinn uh, coming through these interdimensional portals and finding a variety of ways to establish a better foothold in, in our world. And uh, the belief among many of those researchers is that the, the jinn are coming through in small numbers now, but um, they are looking for ways to come through in much larger numbers. And uh, it's, it's like a silent invasion uh, from these beings called the hidden ones. And uh, it, it's certainly plausible that they are masquerading behind something like the ET abduction scenario if they have the ability to shape-shift into a lot of different forms and confuse us and confound us into thinking that we're dealing with uh, dozens of beings from other worlds and planets and dimensions and whatnot, that really hides who they are and what their, their true activities and purposes are. Well, uh, to paraphrase the good book, uh, we are at war not with uh, flesh and bone, but with spirit. This uh, sounds like... Uh, we are on the precipice of full-scale spiritual warfare, Rosemary. They've certainly been increasing in numbers. Um, the documentation that's been done in the abduction literature is rather alarming. And uh, personally, I've always hesitated to go in that direction. Uh, I've always been uh, someone who uh, uh, looks for a moderate uh, point of view and it's hard to believe that um, we might be in great danger from uh, covert activities from other entities, but there's an awful lot of evidence that points in that direction. And if we don't pay attention to it, we really are caught off guard. We're literally a caught, caught asleep at the wheel, and uh, we could be uh, literally overcome before we even know it. Last question, Rosemary. Then how do we uh, mere mortals defend ourselves from uh, a, an invasion of the jinn? We certainly have to be educated to uh, all the possibilities out there. And uh, this sort of scenario is very hard for many people to take on board because it just sounds too incredulous. It sounds like people making things up. But these are real experiences, and human beings have been describing uh, similar encounters with entities, especially hostile entities, throughout history. We're clearly having interaction. So 
so we need to be educated and informed. And uh, then we, we really need to find some way to counteract this. And right now, we don't have a whole lot of uh, solutions at hand because we don't even know what the true extent of the problem is. Well, we can uh, certainly uh, arm ourselves with knowledge, and uh, that might start with uh, picking up a copy of uh, The Vengeful Jinn, um, which you authored, and uh, that's always a good place to start. I have a lot of material in The Vengeful Jinn about them masquerading as other kinds of entities, including aliens and uh, shadow people. Uh, from a Middle Eastern perspective, the jinn account for everything. They would account for the fairies, the ghosts, poltergeist, shadow people, mysterious creatures, and everything that we consider to be supernatural. Uh, and from our perspective, that's an extreme viewpoint. We, we tend to compartmentalize things. So I think we might have to redefine our entire definition of what is a, a supernatural entity. Well, you are certainly on the vanguard of this research, uh, Rosemary, and we're fortunate to have you uh, uh, part of the Conspiracy Show. Thanks for this. Thank you, Richard. All right, until next month, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. When we come back, we'll open up the phone lines and uh, do open lines. Now till the top of the hour, whatever's on your mind, get it said. 416-360-0740 and 1-866-740-4740. Back with more of the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Welcome back. And uh, that was, of course, a wonderful uh, local band called Who Stole the Cookies. And um, that uh, song was composed exclusively for The Conspiracy Show. Uh, and we play that from time to time. All right. Uh, we'll uh, do open lines now until the uh, top of the hour. And you can take this anywhere you want to, of course, um, keeping in mind that uh, there are certain parameters. Uh, we, uh, we talk about uh, political subterfuge and... Um, uh, we talk um, uh, conspiracies, cover-ups, UFOs, the supernatural, the paranormal, alternative, just about anything. Uh, so we can go anywhere you'd like. Of course, uh, a top of mind for many people, uh, the story of the American soldier, uh, supposedly, initial reports saying having a, had a, a breakdown, shoots nine children dead in their sleep in, house -to -house, uh, in a, a house-to-house -house shooting rampage in Afghanistan, killing a total of 16 civilians. The shooter has been identified as Army Staff Sergeant uh, from Fort Lewis, Washington, a married father of three. Uh, we're getting reports that the, the, uh, the base there regarded him as a most troubled individual in the military. 
um, or rather the base itself was regarded as the most troubled in the military. Uh, it housed soldiers that were involved in the Afghan thrill killings back in 2010. And it was assigned the base to support a special operations unit of either Green Berets or Navy SEALs. Uh, the shooter allegedly went into three homes early this morning, shot dead 16 people after suffering, quote, a mental breakdown. Again, nine children, three women among those reported dead. A relative said he poured chemicals over their dead bodies and burned them. Uh, Afghan President uh, Hamid Karzai has condemned the shooting as assassination. Uh, President Barack Obama called the attack tragic and shocking. Uh, and uh, needless to say that the uh, the shooting... Uh, could deepen strife uh, there and comes weeks after an outrage over a Koran burning at NATO base left at least 30 dead. And, of course, the Afghan Taliban said in an email that they are likely to retaliate. What do you make of that? Does that sound... I I, I, I say this in no way uh, attempting to be flippant or to try and uh, undermine the severity of this atrocity. Uh, but keeping in mind the types of people we have on this show and the, the types of researchers we've had on this show, we've discussed mind control at length on this show. With I would I would say with one hundred percent great one hundred percent certainty, uh, a people with a great deal of of credibility and integrity, uh, researchers in the field. Uh, to me, this sounds like it could potentially be a Manchurian candidate at work here a mind control, a programmed, um, I won't use the word assassin, uh, but a programmed killer. Just uh, to create further havoc over there. If you'd like to comment on that, would love to hear from you. At uh, 416 360 740 416-360-0740 and toll free from out of town 1-866-740-4740 if you'd like to comment also on um, the Leo Wanta story which we discussed in the first uh, hour plus uh, tonight uh, we'd love to hear your feedback as well we um, we're going to revisit this uh, obviously this is a huge story potentially one of the biggest stories of all time imagine a uh, $27.5 trillion sitting out there in a, uh, a foreign bank account or um, somewhere in the United States in the form of uh, bonds and so forth, uh, waiting to be returned to the U.S. Treasury, bringing the United States back from the brink of uh, insolvency. Imagine the good that could be done with $27.5 trillion. Uh, however, this is a story that most of us haven't even heard of. How many of you can say that you heard of Leo Wanta before tonight? Uh, we will revisit it. Marilyn Barnwall, who called in from the United States, and that was pure happenstance. Uh, I believe she was calling from Wisconsin. Um, she heard the show, heard we were talking about uh, Leo Wanta, called in, and provided a great depth of information. She was not able to stay with us. Uh, suddenly her phone rang and um, she got called away unexpectedly. She wasn't scheduled to be on the program, uh, but we will uh, try to get her back. But what do you think of that story? Does that make sense to you? Based on, on, on um, your knowledge of uh, the, uh, the world financial systems and so forth and, and, and uh, what's going on in the world right now. 
$27.5 trillion could be used for a lot of good, but it could also be used for a great deal of uh, evil, needless to say. I would definitely love to have uh, 10 minutes in a room uh, with Leo Wanta to find out more. He's a hard guy to get a hold of, but um, we did get close. We got uh, the next best thing to getting Leo Wanta on the program. We had uh, Marilyn Barnwall, and uh, we will get her back because I think we need to discuss this show or this, uh, this topic at greater length, and we will do that. Uh, next week on the program, we're hoping uh, to... Uh, to uh, bring Dr. Lynn Katai on the show. Dr. Lynn Katai um, is one of the foremost experts on the Phoenix Lights, which took place uh, back in 1997. We're, up, we're coming up on the 14th anniversary. This is a mass UFO sighting, not, over, not only in, in Phoenix, uh, but across the, the state, Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada. Even the governor at the time, um, mm-hmm. Governor Fife of Arizona, saw this uh, formation, triangular formation. Some described it as being uh, nearly a mile across. This was so big that it obliterated the night sky. People would look up and they could no longer see the night sky. If you've been to the desert in the American Southwest, um, I mean, Phoenix is a big city, but they do not have the kind of light pollution that they do have here. And... uh, the night sky is absolutely breathtaking there. So imagine being out in the desert looking up and you can't see the stars on a clear night because something is passing overhead, something so large. Again, it obliterates the night sky. So we're working on getting Dr. Lynn Gatai on um, uh, next week uh, to discuss what will be the 14th anniversary of that most famous mass UFO sighting. And um, I, I mentioned the governor at the time. He ridiculed He actually held a press conference. Uh, Once this story got out into the mainstream and then beyond into the international press and went viral, and it took some time, it took like several months, um, Governor Fife held a press conference. And uh, keeping in mind, his office, the governor's office, was being deluged with with concerned phone calls uh, from... um, concerned citizens who had seen something and wanted to know what he was going to do about it or what he knew. He held this press conference and he said, well, we've caught the, uh, the culprit responsible for this, uh, this um, event. And he trotted out some aide uh, that was dressed up in an alien suit and had a big laugh. And of course, the, uh, the, main, the, uh, the, the media in attendance laughed as well. He made a big joke about it, which angered a lot of people. But it wasn't until about... Um, Three, maybe three years ago, Governor Fife actually went on record and uh, apologized for making a mockery. And he admitted at that time, I saw it too. And he said, I'm paraphrasing, essentially the gist of his quote was, what I saw was not made by human hands. So that's up and coming on the, uh, on the program. Uh, we'll take a one final time out, and uh, when we come back, we'll have a time for a, a few phone calls. If you'd like to get in on the conversation, take it wherever you'd like to the top of the hour. Again, the phone number is 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, and toll-free 1-866-740-4740.
You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To get to the truth, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Uh, welcome back. We've got about eight minutes uh, left in the program. If you'd like to get on board with a comment, otherwise you'll have to save it for next week. Um, I'm just going to take a few moments here and, and put in a little plug uh, for a woman you all know uh, who I have addressed over the last 12 years as the mighty Aphrodite. Now, uh, her real name is about to, re- to be revealed and I think I actually let it slip out uh, last week accidentally. Um, but um, there's no hiding it anymore. She, um, she has a, um, a blog. And uh, my wife is building a house in Greece. It was actually a house that was started by her uh, late father, my father-in-law, who passed away in April of 2009. Uh, without telling anyone in the family, he went and he, he, uh, he purchased... A, um, a parcel of land just outside of uh, Kalamata, which is in the south of Greece, the Peloponnese region, a beautiful region overlooking the Mycenaean Bay. And I believe it's the Ionian Sea. Uh, and so he started to build this house, and, uh, and then he got sick and um, was not able to, to finish it. And it sat in this state uh, for nearly a decade. Well, my... Um, my, my lovely, uh, mighty Aphrodite has taken it upon herself to finish the house. And uh, we went over there uh, as a family in November. And um, she basically ran f- face uh, to face with the, uh, this nef- uh, infamous, shall I say, Greek bureaucracy. It's a beautiful country, uh, beautiful people, uh, but I think they're... Um, the, the the bureaucratic uh, mess over there is is well documented, and she ran right in, smack into that and uh, did battle with that, and it wore her down. But she didn't give up, and um, she went back again a couple of weeks ago, and finally, um, she's got the ball rolling. And uh, they started excavation, and 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 um, the the beginning, uh, you know, they're beginning now to to finish the house. So she started a blog. Uh, which is somewhat inspired by, uh, there's a, a Toronto uh, author, food critic, you may know him uh, by the name of James Chatto, wonderful writer, um, has contributed, to, it contributes to Zoomer Magazine, actually. I believe he's the, uh, the restaurant uh, critic for Zoomer Magazine. And uh, several years ago, now he is also, um, he, or he built a house in Greece and he, and he, he documented his, his journey building this house, I believe on the island of Corfu. Uh, in a wonderful book called The Greek for Love. And so the mighty Aphrodite um, has started this blog to document the construction of uh, uh, her Greek house, and it's called The Greek for House, uh, obviously inspired by James Shadow's book. And uh, if you go there, um, you'll, you'll actually see a picture of the mighty Aphrodite and her real name is revealed there. So there's no more hiding it. Anyway, I I wanted to, to, uh, she hasn't posted anything yet because the people that uh, know all about blogs tell you you should write five postings 
before you actually publish. So uh, in the next probably week or so, the blogs will be available. But let me give you the the, uh, the blog spot right now. It's And I'm going to reveal her name. So it's HTTP colon forward slash forward slash Jackie Serrett dot blogspot dot com. There. After 12 years, I have revealed the identity, the real identity of the mighty Aphrodite, Jackie Serrett, J-A-C-K-I-E-S-Y-R-E-T-T dot blogspot dot com. Or you can just Google the Greek for house plus Jackie Serrett. And right there is a, a picture of my lovely bride um, in a lovely black dress uh, pouring a bottle of, um, uh, what is that? It's a bottle of wine anyway. <laughs> anyway, so enjoy that. And I hope you'll uh, you'll take some time and read her uh, her posts and follow her blog. And I've also, uh, or she's hooked it up to my Twitter as well. So for those of you who follow me on Twitter at uh, twitter.com forward slash Richard Serrett, uh, you'll also get bonused and you can follow her blog. All right, that's it for me. Thank you to uh, David Gaskin, as always, for his uh, capable uh, uh, work behind the board. And uh, also to Nelson Thal from Shock Talk with Bloom and Steel for bringing the Leo Wanta story to our attention. Also, uh, Marilyn Barnwall and, of course, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our paranormal investigator, back next week, perhaps talking about the Phoenix Lights. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. Jackie, good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.